Welcome to the Inside OU Podcast, brought to you by New Balance of Edmond, featuring Keegan Renault from SoonersWire.com, powered by USA Today, and Brady Trantham. Hello, Brady. Bob Stoops here. Appreciate the great Sooner fan that you are and have been for all these years. Boomer Sooner. Yo, 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 what's up? Welcome back to the Inside OU Podcast after a few-day hiatus, just because there was a bye week. Uh, Brady Trantham here, alongside SoonersWire.com extraordinaire, Mr. Keegan Renault. Yeah, bye weeks are long and boring, and for whatever reason, OU has strategically placed all their bye weeks on the worst possible slates of college football weekends imaginable. Yeah, you were bored last Saturday. That, that, there was nothing to do. And really, it feels like we it's been a long time since you and I joined up to do the Inside OU podcast, Keegan, just because uh, Thursday night at Vanessa's house, who we love dearly... Uh, I'll just say this. I had a little too much fun that Last week? Oh, yeah. I had a little too much fun. You did? I couldn't tell. I can barely really remember what we talked about. Oh. But I, I, uh, yeah. So apologies for those who could probably tell that, oh, yeah, too many. From what what we, the responses to the last podcast, though, people thought it was entertaining. Too many vanilla stouts from uh, Vanessa House that evening. Again, it was a bye week. We didn't really have that much to talk about, so we, we tried our best. That's why it was titled We Tried. So hopefully somebody enjoyed it. If you didn't, sorry, don't worry. All I've had today is uh, vitamins and chicken noodle soup. So, I'm so yeah, I'm a little hungry, but that's not going to make me sound like uh, a lot. So uh, Really quick before we get started, Keegan, do want to ask everybody, uh, please, 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 please go leave us a review rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. Uh, if you're able to leave reviews on whatever platform you're listening on, we will greatly appreciate that. It helps uh, spread the podcast around and all the algorithms and all the science and technology in order to get Inside OU to the largest audience possible. We already have a fairly large audience, and I love and appreciate and respect all of you. And then, of course, uh, the Patreon, which is still going strong. And Keegan is actually doing a film review, not just for OU Kansas. I mean, he didn't do OU Kansas, and that's fine. I I don't think there was going to be anything that we could have learned from that film review, Keegan, other than this guy's good, that guy's good, that was a good play, that wasn't a good play, and then we move on. Uh, but Keegan's doing film review for Oklahoma State against uh, West Virginia and Texas. Iowa State and Kansas State. I'll knock all four of those out. There you go. Probably. No, no, I mean, it's not as it's it, it, like – as you've seen so far with West Virginia, it's definitely not like me stopping doing like the videos, voiceovers and those things. It just, those things take so long. And like the Peach Bowl week, for example, I mean, it was press conferences right underneath you. Yeah. You had nothing else going on. There was no other football games. It's just getting hammered in Atlanta <laughs> and from the media hotel and uh, breaking down games. So it was a, it's a little bit different. Um, you know, having Oklahoma State kind of be this quick. Um, watched a lot last week. Didn't really take too much of notes. Um, but now that I've started West Virginia, some of the things that kind of came off the top of my head then are starting to pop up now. And uh, it's going to be a really, really fun week with that stuff. I always enjoy, you know, heading into Thursday, Friday, Saturday now. Or, you know, even this beforehand, but especially now with the radio appearances and doing this and doing that. Um you know, kind of having a full understanding of what I'm expecting to watch on Saturday. Yeah, and so it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be really fun. I hope, you know, won't be the videos. I won't be showing you a ton of gifs and videos and that stuff because you're a it gif takes, guy. It takes a lot. Long. I mean, I think people enjoy that more. I mean, you click I, on you click on it. It goes to a full screen on your phone and it just plays over oh, and I, over. I meant you're a gif guy in that you don't say gif. No, it's gif. I say gif because it's gif. Uh, the creator said gif, but just like with all art, Keegan. If you're an artist, creator, whatever, you, you know, you're a writer, so you're technically a creator. So you are technically I'm an artist. Yeah, you're te- you can be an artist. Once you give out your art, once you share it with the world, it, you don't 100 percent own it anymore. So I know he wants to say, and you almost missed my dresser. That would have been tragic. But I know he wants to say that it's GIF. But guess what? He doesn't own it 100 percent anymore. If I want to call it GIF, I'm going to call it GIF because it's G. And in this house, we respect onomatopoeia. Yeah. It's Jeff, but that's peanut butter, but continue. No, no. But anyways, um, no, it's, I, I think people, the, you know, the, since it's, I'm in your house, gifts that I post out, <laughs> um, where you can kind of click on, it goes full screen and you can see stuff. And I need to do, I need to figure out, I know premiere and all, oh, there's a ton of other video editing 
you know, software, this and that, um, subscribe to the Patreon. So yeah, I can if do you, that if stuff. you want some awesome, awesome, like production value, trust me, that's what the point of the Patreon is for. Like we want to be able to bring you like the greatest podcast and OU content possible. We just need a little extra help, unfortunately. For Every, sure. Everybody's hurting. But yeah, the uh, OS, or OSU West Virginia, a little bit of that's already available for our patrons. So that's $5 a month for that. And then, of course, everything else that comes along uh, in the $4 tier, which is the post-game show. Anything else I put on there, uh, $4 a month if you just want the post-game show that will be coming out very, very late Saturday night, Sunday morning, probably even just Sunday, depending on what Keegan has to do, what I have to do. Uh, post game wise for the radio so it's uh it's gonna be a long day it's gonna be a long week it's gonna be a fun long oh week, we'll get a post i think that as it stands today that we will do a post game saturday night at some point kind of like the iowa state game and i think it's going to be for the opposite reasons I, I you know iowa state i don't know what i believe that game may kick off before i'm looking it up right now but by the end of the conclusion of saturday night i think we're going to have a pretty good idea of what this conference race is going to look like. And I know Lincoln's kind of commented on those since before in years past where they don't focus it too much on it. But, I mean, Kansas State loses to Iowa State. You beat Oklahoma State. You, know, you, you control your destiny in this conference to win your sixth straight Big 12 championship. And it's, it's, a, it's a wild thought to have compared to where – and I guess we have to remember this. I mean, I know 2017 TCU may have lost once or twice, but – Typically, a team that makes these championship games has a couple losses, whether that's the Big Ten, whether that's the SEC, whether that's the ACC. I mean, so this isn't out of the complete realm of possibilities. Yeah. It's just Oklahoma media, fans, everybody that's follow, is following this program right now, it's just different. Like, you are you have two losses. The season was over, right? No playoff appearance, no chance to make a national championship. Those are your expectations. But all of a sudden – Five, six, seven weeks later, Lincoln, yeah. Lincoln Riley is – well, today, I guess if you want to start out with the press conference, that human was in a completely different mood today than I've seen him all year. Well, I mean, is that a good thing or a bad thing? Not I that, think it was a good thing. Not I, that we can discern anything from a weekly press conference. Well, I think the biggest thing, like, that you lose from not being in person, you'll get what I'm saying with this, that, like, like you can – the body language and the tone in which things are being said by these guys in these press conferences because they're such robots. Like that's the most important thing that you can pick up. Yeah. Like you always knew Jordan Thomas when he walked in and not trying to sit here and hate on anybody, but when he walked into the press conference room in 2017, like you knew that one, he, that you knew that he wasn't playing. He knew that he wasn't playing that well. And two, he didn't really care that much that he wasn't playing that well. Like, so all the rumors about him in 2017 made a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, you know, with Lincoln today, he just seemed in a much more focused, solid mindset driven and kind of along the same lines of where he's been before, like in terms of a, the week of a big game. But it seemed like there was even more focus from him this week. I, I, I think he understands that, you know, I, I don't want to, don't say that this is the best way to, estimate a game or expectations or whatever but i mean the line did drop in bedlam from nine and a half to five and a half in a day i mean there's a lot of people that think oklahoma state can keep this thing close and i think not i'm not saying that's gotten back to lincoln riley but i think he feels that i think he feels that this is like you win this game on saturday and things go your way iowa state wins and you're sitting there saturday night before you go to bed that Oklahoma has a clear path to winning out and winning a Big 12 championship. It's just a completely different mentality heading into next season than what Oklahoma would it would have been. Say they lose to Texas, they lose to Texas. This season goes completely different. They yep. lose. They you know they win this game. They went out. It's a completely different mindset. And I I, you, I don't know. I you could just feel that from Lincoln today. Yeah, uh, I mean, every, I mean, even if Iowa State, because obviously Iowa State, Kansas State, they kick off before OU and OSU so we're going to know in Bedlam once that kicks off like we're gonna have a much better idea of what OU has to do yep. from then on three out. o'clock so it will be finishing up it may not be done before the OU yeah game. just but I mean the game might be out of hand yeah we'll point. know by the end of Bedlam yeah and that kind of goes back to the shame of OU's bye weeks being strategically placed I mean OSU has a bye week so we don't get a chance to really see them the week before the OU game I think Texas had a bye week before the Texas game as well. Um, Iowa State and Kansas State didn't play last week, so 
we don't just get to put everything all on Bedlam with a bigger understanding. So that's just me complaining as a fan. But with this and Lincoln's press conference, I mean, no, I mean, I listened to all of it while I was cleaning upstairs and you were downstairs uh, doing your little journalistic stuff, asking all the questions, all the tough questions. But no, I mean, it's incredible because, I mean, yeah, you said it a few minutes ago, the season was over you know, about a month and a half or so ago. But it was over because of all the factors of this team are much different than any of the factors of the previous teams. This team is young. This team is inexperienced. And instead of losing one random game in the middle of the season, which is, I guess, to be expected at this point, they lost two games in fairly similar fashion in that they played sloppy, uh, especially late. They played sloppy defense, bad penalties all over the board. Um, they lost it in two very, very similar ways early in the season. Sure. So, yeah, I mean, the season was over, but things have happened. Uh, OU has since caught fire, and we've kind of already talked about that, Keegan, where it's like, yeah, they, they've taken care of business, which is the sign, the mark of a good team. They've taken care of business against teams that are trash. That's exactly what you need to do. Um, at the same time, huge step up in competition, and I think that kind of is what maybe you're getting to that with Lincoln Riley's mood in this press conference. I think he probably – understands that and is recognizing that the St. TCU, the St. Texas Tech, St. Kansas, this is Tylen Wallace, this is a quarterback in Spencer Sanders that has had troubles, but he's good enough to win this game. This is a defense that um, has improved over the last few years for Oklahoma State, but they've now kind of culminated into not just being passable. Like they can, This defense can win some drives. They can get OU off the field, mm-hmm. even though OU's talent on the skill positions just far exceeds – even probably the talent on OSU's defense individually, but collectively, that's where it's going to really come down to is OSU's linebackers, their front seven. Because as much as I want to say this, and we kind of talked about this before we went on air, Keegan, as much as I want Lincoln Wright to just make it easy and hand the ball off to Ramondre Stevenson mm-hmm. and just go ahead and control the game from the jump or the kick, you know, I'm still kind of in basketball mode. From the Same thing. From the kick. I don't think that that will happen because that never really happens with Lincoln Riley. You put it, you put out the stat last year, 26 care, 26 rushes in the second half, but it was just kind of the same way in the first half too, but he just got to that point in the second half of that game where they just said, screw up. Yeah. I, I just have a distinct memory of Bedlam last year where I texted John Hoover, former co-host of this podcast um, at the time was the, was the co-host of this podcast. And he was in Stillwater up in the press box. And I texted him during the first half saying, why isn't Lincoln Riley running the football? They have no answer for Kennedy Brooks. They cannot stop this offensive line. Why are they not running the ball? This game is far too close for as much control sure. OU has had in this first half. And then the second half, he wakes up and says, okay, I'm going to run the football now and just solidly win this game and control it. Here's the thing about this OSU team, in my opinion. you don't. I don't think you're afforded two quarters to figure out that, oh, yeah, I guess we can just run the ball at will. He needs to run the ball immediately. If it doesn't work, sure, try other things, but... I don't know if they're going to be able to stop Ramondre when this offensive line, even with their collective defensive talent. I, mean, I think you can include TJ Pledger in that conversation yeah. as well. Um, I guess the first thing to note is it sounds like from talking to people up in Stillwater that Harvell Peel will play Saturday. Um, he's been practicing so far this week for Oklahoma State. So, no, to to what you're saying, it it is very apparent that the biggest mismatch in this game is in the trenches for Oklahoma. And that's not just the defensive line. That is the offensive line. And that's not taking away, as I've pointed out so far on the Patreon, like Tyler Lacey's really good. Like, he starts at a majority of the Power 5 teams in college football as a defensive end. Cameron Murray's really good. He starts a majority of the defensive tackles in college football. Obviously, everybody knows about Trace Ford. Um, I've been uh, – a lot of people as well. I'm not going to say I'm the only one that was super high on him. You know, coming out, I think if Alex Grinch was at Oklahoma, he probably is in Oklahoma sooner right now, opposed to being up in Stillwater. But I mean, they're just—they have so much depth, and I think that's what sticks out about Oklahoma State because you have a guy like Devin Harper that comes, that doesn't start, that comes in and comes in and makes plays um, from the linebacker, star, nickel, whatever the position it is that he plays. Um, he'll come in and make plays. Omen, um, the linebacker, Malcolm Rodriguez, those guys. Um, but, again, as I'm pointing out all these guys, the style in which Oklahoma State plays defense to where they really allow their linebackers to try to play freely as possible, try not to get picked up by as many blockers. 
Like that gets that got thrown out the window last year. Like Oklahoma just countered them to death in Stillwater. Yeah. And Oklahoma, if you remember last year, did not run the counter well. It's the way Oklahoma State plays defense and the way they're schemed up and this and that. So now, Brady, it's man, it it's a weird one. Because all signs point to Oklahoma kicking the crap out of them. Yeah. And I just don't feel – it doesn't feel that way. Like We we will get into the matchups more so, of course, on Thursday when we go to Vanessa House at 530. But I, I think we can just kind of – because we've already touched on it. We can generally talk about it, I think. Because it really comes down to this. Who do you have more confidence that this unit will win their fair share of battles against their opponent? OU's defensive line against OSU's – probably below average net best average offensive line or OU's at worst average to, you know, good offensive line against OSU's fairly good defensive line. Like the, just in the way I described it, like I didn't have to describe o, OU's defensive line. We know that they're incredible. Mm-hmm. I have more confidence that OU's offensive line is going to win their fair share of battles over OSU's front seven, which will allow for Spencer to have time, which will allow for Ramondre Stevenson, TJ play to have holes to run through. Mm-hmm. More so than OSU's offensive line having any success consistently against OU's pass rush, uh, their front seven. Because I just I don't see it. But it's Bedlam. Technically, it's a rivalry game, and this is an OU team that's inexperienced and hasn't been there just yet, like Kyler, Baker, even Jalen's teams have. So the factor for WTF plays and random turnovers and drop passes and stuff like that that's that's on the table for this team but Mm -hmm. if things go according to plan like yeah it's looking like oh you should dominate this game and win fairly comfortably so a big part of this and we'll get like you said a lot more into this on thursday but you know a big part of this game is how is oklahoma state going to defend oklahoma from the perspective of like harville peel is one of the best safeties in the country like, no ifs, ands, or buts about it. He starts at probably every major college football team in the country. Like, he is that good. Yeah. And he's a big-time NFL guy. Like, do they just keep him over the top and just hope Spencer Rattler throws him one? Yeah. Because I think that's probably your best bet. Play a bunch – play keep them, keep Oklahoma in front of you as much as they possibly can. Keep Harvell Peel committed to the run game. Keep all these other guys committed to the run game. Um because as what we've said so far, like the Ramondre Stevenson factor in this game, like he is Oklahoma's biggest impact player on offense for this specific game. Like he may be every game from here until he's done, which that could be also true. But specifically in this one, and he spoke to the media today. Awesome interview, by the way. I, this is my first time interviewing him. I know people have lauded him in those settings, you know. And he made a kind of a a, a bold uh, not statement or you know, hypothesizing anything, but it's like, it's going to be mandatory for us to run the football. And like, I don't really need to comment on that much more, but we need to run the football. And I think our offensive line is going to do it. And I think that speaks volumes to where Oklahoma's head is at this week, because you don't need Spencer Rattler to be an all-star in this game to win. You don't need him to have to go throw for 400, 500 yards and go win a football game. Like, that's not what needs to happen. Where I'm at right now is that Oklahoma is going to gut one out. And when I say gut one out, and I'm not meaning that it's going to come down to the final play. What I'm saying is is that Ramondre Stevenson, get, there's a lot of Ramondre and a lot of TJ Pledger, and Oklahoma just kind of does what they did against Texas. And they didn't run the football great in that game, but they ran it well enough that, like, I didn't never felt Texas was in the game. Until, obviously, the final four minutes. Like, yeah, and that was a game that OU controlled mm-hmm. even during the ugly parts of the first half because Texas' two scores, you know, when they tied it at 10, were the result of OU's dumbass dumb Yep. It wasn't because Texas just, like, galvanized the team, made plays in spite of themselves, and overcame adversity. I mean, those two turnovers gave Texas the ball, like, in scoring position. So, yeah, that was a game that OU controlled until Lincoln's play calling got a little cute. But... I think with this, the other kind of general point that I have is, and I'll just ask you this, and I'm confident that you're going to give me the answer I'm looking for, unless you're just going to be typical Keegan and argue with me. So, what is the what is the worst unit on each team? Oklahoma secondary. Correct. And Oklahoma State's offensive line. Correct. Good job. Whew. We avoided one there. I, thought I you don't be think. Like, well, the H backs or, or whatever, whatever. For Oklahoma, no, for, hell no. 
whatever OSU wants to run. Oh, uh, Jelani Woods. Now that guy's obviously a guy that we need. We'll talk probably more about on Thursday. Yeah. But I, what he has put on tape, and I know Oklahoma State fans have kind of disagreed with me. This guy, I know he's not super athletic, but damn, I, I know he's turned from a quarterback too, like six seven, two fifty, two sixty. The fact that he moves the way he does. Well, but no, but I want you to continue with your point. Like, no, was, no, oh, it is, it's very apparent that Oklahoma State's offensive line and Oklahoma secondary are by far the worst position groups on the field in this game for each team. I think to me it just comes down to more so than like the who's going to win their fair share of matchups. I think if you just look at the two worst units, the, the worst unit on each team, which worst unit has more of an impact against their own team? So follow me. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, OSU's offensive line, their worst unit, according to you and me, has to go up against OU's probably, you best know, arguably unit. their best unit. No, not arguably. It is their best unit. Their best unit. OSU, OU's worst unit has to go up against a fairly good receiving core, but it, we all think that it's incredible because Tylen Wallace is incredible. <laughs> yeah, God. But to me, it's just old school football, man. Like, OU's secondary has looked okay, overall this season the whole, mainly because the last four games yes mainly because of defensive line pressure and even those bad secondaries during the end of the mike stoops era if you just plug in a good pass rush maybe mm-hmm. those secondaries play better and the def- those defenses aren't as laugh out loud bad like it just starts in the trenches so to me that's the the other key in this whole equation for bedlam is osu's worst unit is going to lead them to perhaps more negative plays and possibly even more turnovers. You're not going to be able to just sit back in the pocket and find Tylen Wallace. Their really only hope is just hut, get the ball, and throw a jump ball into the sky and let Tylen go make a play because um, their their offensive line will not open up too many holes against this defensive line in this front seven, whereas OU secondary doesn't necessarily have to be incredible because their defensive line is going to do them a lot of favors. Yes. Two, I, I want to note something, though, that is important. I mean, you go back to the – you know, Tech's offensive line wasn't that great besides one guy either. And, you know, you're, I'm talking about Tevin Jenkins for Oklahoma State, left tackle, and Joseph Osai, left tackle for Texas. Um, but at the same time, too, Oklahoma had a hard time spying Ellinger. And they've had a hard time spying quarterbacks under Grinch, really. And, like – I think that is a major talking point. Deshaun week. White, David yeah, Aguebu. Deshaun White, David Aguebu, Brian Osmoa, uh, Nick Benito to a certain extent on some plays whenever they bring him behind the line of scrimmage to be a spy. Um, they've, like, they're going to have to be really clean in that area this week. Yeah. And to what you're saying, absolutely. And at the same time, too, like, if Spencer Sanders is a different quarterback than they've faced this year, and it's going to be a different quarterback than they've really faced last year. And I'm not comparing him to Joe Burrow at all by any means. But my point is that like Spencer Sanders can get out of the pocket and make some plays. Now, as I said with Sam and Chisholm yesterday, is this a guy that for Bedlam that you think whenever he gets out of the pocket and there's no play to be made, is he going to throw it away? No. He's going to try to go make a play. He's going to try to make a big throw that he doesn't need to do that. That's the kind of quarterback he is, but – this is still a guy that when he gets out of the side of the pocket, he can make plays, and he's super athletic. And I think that is you know, something that's not probably being talked about enough. Is it going to matter two to three times probably, and that's it? But damn it, those two to three times could be the difference in a game. If he gets outside the pocket, finds Tylen Wallace behind the defense, or finds um, Dylan Snowder, who's a, a, basically Drake Stoops' clone for Oklahoma State. I mean, Racist. Kind of, <laughs> but uh, it's got a lot of Danny Amendola in him. Yeah, for sure. And so Braden Johnson, the former walk-on, um, you know they've got they got some talent. And like, how do I say this about Oklahoma State? Like, this was probably the worst year for them to be this good. Yeah, with a, with a good chance with, to win the conference. Be in from the aspect of like you're gonna losing a ton of talent this year. How Harvell Peel's gone, Rodarius Williams, NFL guy, he's gone. Um, Trace Ford has another year. They may be able to get both linebackers back. Who knows? Tylen's um, gone. Chuba's gone. Tylen Wallace, Chuba's gone. And you have to go against an Oklahoma team that, for the first time in a decade, their defensive line can come out and get after you. Like, yeah. That's probably the worst timing for Mike Gundy to have maybe his most complete team um, yet. And, 
you know, I do want to, you know, people will, that listen to me talk and say this, say that, always know that I'm pretty, always pretty complimentary of the team that they're playing. I wasn't against Kansas State. They lost. It was very complimentary of TCU secondary. Didn't matter. They got their ass kicked. Um, but, like, they're, like, Oklahoma State is a team that it's not like they, they're going to fool around and win this game. Like, can Oklahoma State come out and just out and beat Oklahoma in a football game? Yeah. I mean, it, it can happen. Like, the things that it's going to take for that to happen is Spencer Sanders playing turnover-free football, highly unlikely, um, regardless of how the pass rush is. I mean, it, I mean, he's still good enough to make plays. He showed that down in Austin last year, with you know, the way that he played against Texas then. So it's, it's an interesting matchup, and I'm like – I'm not sitting here, and you've see, you've heard me say this so far in the last two weeks, and I haven't talked a lot about it publicly. I mean, I, I like Oklahoma comfortably in this game. I don't understand why it's a six and a half, seven point line. I think it should be closer to ten. Um, I think this line has creeped back up to seven today. Which, well, I think Austin Stogner is worth four points. Especially, yeah, especially if he's sore. And I I haven't been able to get anything on that, so I'm gonna I'll work on that for Thursday, so we'll know that then. But I just want to reiterate again, like this is. Even if Oklahoma wins by ten to fourteen on Saturday, like that doesn't t- take away just how much better Oklahoma State's been, and that's a good thing. Like it is a good if Texas is going to be this wishy washy for Oklahoma in this conference. I know you hate the whole conference conversation, this and that, but if Oklahoma State's going to continue to be good and like their recruiting class this year is not nearly as good as probably what it should be, and it wasn't nearly as what it should have been last year, but. Oklahoma State's coaching staff is probably one of the best in terms of evaluating recruits. Like, how many guys that they just show up there that are three stars, no name, nobodies, defensive players specifically, that just show up and they can freaking play. And and they've got a bunch of those guys this year. And I'm not saying, you know, being the younger brother of Greedy Williams helps you, but, it, like, Rodarius Williams is a big-time guy, but he wasn't just this massive NFL player. Carvel Peel definitely wasn't. Um, Cameron Murray wasn't. Trace Ford was. Malcolm Rodriguez wasn't. Um, Trey Sterling, another guy in the back end of that secondary, that's really good. Um, so, no, it's a fun. It's it. it I said this with sandwichism yesterday too, and I like the fact that they have so many NFL guys on both sides of the ball, and both teams do this year. I think it just brings a little bit of juice to this game. Like I said this, I said this as well. Like the. It reminds me, heading into this game, reminds me of what I've started to picture what the OU Baylor game was going to be like last year. Did I think Oklahoma was going to get down 28-3? to No. Did I think that those two teams were going to absolutely hit the absolute crap out of each other? Absolutely. I mean, I thought that was going to be the most physical football game that Oklahoma's played in a long time last year in Waco. And it was, again, the Big 12 Championship. Oklahoma State hits. And it's going to be a, a lot of fun to watch two Big 12 teams that are predominantly known for their soft defenses to show up on Saturday and hit each other in the mouth over and over and over and over again. And that makes me giddy inside. Well, to me, if I had a fear, because like you're right, like Oklahoma State's defense, um, I have a little bit of a hot take opinion about them. I think that they're much better than what OSU has trotted out there the last few years. And that's not to say that okay, that's not really writing, that's not much to write home about. No, they're they're good. Like, I, I, I agree. Their best asset, their best trait is that they tackle well. Once they hit somebody, once they wrap someone up, they take them to the ground. There's not a lot of broken tackle opportunities, which is going to make it tougher on Ramondre and then the skill guys, uh, receivers, H-backs, tight ends, all that, to have to make plays in spite of the fact. So I agree with that. But my little hot take on OSU's defense is this will be the, this will be the telltale sign. Are they actually good? We'll find out Saturday because I don't think we've seen enough against suitable talent to really write home that, no, this defense is for real. They're good. I don't know if they're good enough to start or to stop Austin Stogner, Marvin Mims, Ramondre Stevenson, TJ Plater, this offensive line, Spencer Rattler making plays, uh, Theo Weiss, Jaden Hazelwood, if he's anywhere near 100% and can make an impact in this game. I don't I don't know if they're that good because the talent tells me, no, oh, he's just, oh, he's just much better. But if I had one strong fear in this game, it's the very fact that Spencer Sanders comes into this game with a turnover problem tag on him. So what do I mean by that? If he does leave the pocket a lot, I could, I could really see OU's linebackers and secondary players getting around him and trying to rip the ball out because they've had a, a lot of lucky breaks with some turnovers last few weeks, and they got the turnover itch now. 
hey, just take him to the ground. Let Spencer Sanders turn the ball over himself. Yeah, he will. Don't, don't try to just say, okay, we've got him surrounded. I'm going to try and punch the ball. And then he gets an extra 8, 10 yards. Because he's, he's athletically gifted enough to do that. That's what I'm afraid of is OU just really falling in love with the turnover. Just let do your job. Let Spencer Sanders turn it over himself. And it's a big week for, and you said the same thing about Oklahoma State, like you're not so sure. Like It's a big week for the secondary. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge at <coughs> direct messages that have been sent. But, I mean, it's a it's a big week for this Oklahoma secondary. Like, Trey Brown, do you want to be an NFL guy? Guess what? You've got Tylen Wallace lining up across from you on the outside. Jane Davis, Woody Washington, you think you're 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 the the guys to change the culture faces of this next kind of wave of defensive players coming in? Like this is your week. The same, I think the same can be said for kind of both teams. I think we know who Oklahoma is a little bit more now, and I know you have to say that with that they've beaten TCU, Texas Tech. In Kansas, we know because of track record and because of the talent that this team has. Well, sure, but I mean, I think it has to be said though that there is a little bit of an asterisk by the way that they've played. Now TCU won a game against Baylor and looked pretty okay. Then they go on the road to West Virginia and just get the crap beat out of them. But it's just, I mean, it's a proven game for both teams, and it's a proven game in a de facto Big Twelve championship semifinal. And yeah, I, I think that alongside with the NFL guys that are going to be on the field in this game for both teams. Like, I mean, you go down the list, like Oklahoma State, I'm not going to say like Lacey's an NFL guy, but Cameron Murray, Israel Antoine, Trace Ford. Trace Ford, yeah. Both linebackers, Rodarius Williams, Colby Harvell-Peel. I mean, you go to the Oklahoma State offense, obviously has their guys. Tevin Jenkins going to be a high-round offensive line pick. Tyler Wallace, Chuba. And you feel about on the Oklahoma side, I mean, it's almost everybody. Like, probably besides the – linebackers and the two safeties probably have a chance to play in the NFL. And so it's, I mean, as it stands today, I'm not going to say the linebacker group can't. Um, I mean, I, I mean, OSU's, OSU's always had like NFL guys or caliber guys. Not, probably up, not this, yeah, not to this, this extent. extent. They've always had NFL guys and very good NFL guys sprinkled on their defenses. I mean, look no further than Emmanuel Ogba with the soon to be Super Bowl champion, Miami Dolphins. Yo, that guy this year, dude is awesome. Yeah, I didn't realize he was this good. They, he took Cameron Wake's number, and man, is he is he performing well in it. I love it. Man, we've we've gone how long on this podcast so far? Oh, about a good thirty minutes or so. And we haven't brought up Kyler Murray's hail mary. Speaking of NFL guys, yeah, I mean, I guess this would be what a good time to heck? talk some NFL OU stuff because we did like we did like a month ago, month and a half ago, and then we haven't really <laughs> talked about it since. Even though OU Sooners in the NFL have had some. Very good performances. Uh, I mean, that that Kyler Murray play, that Hail Mary to DeAndre Hopkins, I mean, first of all, laugh out loud at the city of Houston. I mean, if, you, if you're if you an OU fan listening in Houston, obviously we're not talking about you, but laugh out loud. No, at the, no, we're <laughs> talking about them too. We're, laugh out loud. I mean, Houston just gave DeAndre Hopkins to to um, – to to Arizona, yeah. The Rockets. That was the joke. The Rockets got more first round picks back for Robert Covington. Than, I know than, uh, Texas did for DeAndre Hopkins. But look, l- let's have a quick conversation. We don't have to go that long in it, but let's have a quick conversation about Cliff Kingsbury because I think Cliff Kingsbury is so overrated as a as an NFL head coach. And the reason why I say he's overrated is because I think people just assume, oh wow, he's working because they weren't awful last year. Like, they were a very good and competitive team, even though they had a losing record. They had a lot of promise. And then this year, they have the – are they tied for the best record in the NFC now? They're tied – They're In the NFC West, they are they're number a three-way tiebreaker, but they are – because they have beaten both teams. They lead. They lead, yes. yes. So, I think a casual football fan would say, or like usually like a talking head, that is just supposed to be on camera for 20 seconds to say something quick. Oh, yeah, Cliff Kingsbury's done a very good job with mm-hmm. that uh, franchise. He's an okay play caller. The air raid has worked in the NFL, and he's got the perfect quarterback for it. But, oh, my God, there was no need for that that Hail Mary whatsoever in that game because they had two opportunities to close the game out. It reminded me so much of Lincoln Riley against Texas. So much. They had those two turnovers uh, from Buffalo, I think under five or four, I think four and a half minutes left in the game. And they knocked off on two drives following turnovers, Maybe 42 seconds of total time. I remember the 42 seconds one, yeah. And Buffalo had all three timeouts remaining. Mm -hmm. 
And then, you know, Buffalo goes down and scores. When they scored that touchdown, Keegan... By the way, Josh Allen, that throw, holy that was a good, shit. That was a good throw. I'm not a really big Josh Allen fan, but we're not talking he about He made him. me a fan after that but throw. But I was so lost because, obviously, Arizona gets two turnovers. Game should be over. Buffalo is driving to tie it. Like, that's their best-case scenario is to tie it and send it to overtime. All of a sudden, they throw that touchdown pass to Diggs, and I look up at the clock, and I look up at the score, I'm like... Oh, Arizona's going to lose. Yeah. What? How? And then I go back in my brain, like, Cliff Kingsbury sucks, man. I, I just, that team is all Kyler Murray, DeAndre Hopkins, a lot of good defensive players that make plays, and that's it. They need a new DC. I mean, that's been the biggest complaint with Arizona. Like, don't get me wrong, like, Cliff's obviously having to grow up in the NFL which is it's never a good thing for a guy to grow up on a job. Like it was clear that Sean McVay was ready whenever he got his chance at a young age. Like they need a new defensive coordinator. I think the DC that they have now came over from the Broncos, Vance Joseph, maybe his last name, maybe his name. But I remember Broncos fans cuz I if great follow by the way on the tweet on the Twitter, Benjamin Albright that covers the Broncos but he's kind of an NFL insider. Yeah. I've seen him make the joke about, like, if a team has a really good tight end going up against Vance Joseph's defense, like, you always pick up, if you need a tight end that week in fantasy, pick him up. Pick up the team yeah. that's playing him because they're, like, they just give up so many points. Like, they've always had good players, like, even if you look at Denver and how the players they had, but they've always found a way to give up points. And so I think that has something to do with it. Now, I won't discredit Cliff definitely went raid and should have thrown the football or should have run it. And it, whether that's with Kyler Murray, which by the way, pretty funny. Kyler Murray's probably the, uh, one of the best runners in the NFL. It's going to be the first quarterback to have what? 4,000 yards passing and a thousand yards rushing, rushing in the same yeah. season. Maybe his statue in Arizona should be of him running too, but that's a conversation I, for a, I uh, didn't, I didn't bring it up to my friends listening. Uh, okay. <laughs> um, no, it's, uh, no, it's been fun. You know, you look across the NFL. Adrian Peterson still chugging along for the Lions, who won a big, who won a game last week, and uh, Marquise Brown's having a really struggle, a re really tough time up in Baltimore. Really tough time, and I think that has a lot to do with who's playing quarterback than, well, him dropping passes well, or anything. Here's here's real quick. Here's my last thing on Kyler Murray. Um, I think the Cardinals are in a little bit of a bad spot having to play Seattle not three weeks after they had that incredible game on Sunday night football, um, especially coming, I think Seattle was off this week. And now they've got Thursday. Arizona's playing this Thursday against Seattle, so that's kind of a bad spot. Um, is Kyler Murray going to win the MVP? He may damn well do it. I think even if they don't win the NFC West, if they're in second place and maybe a wild card team, because that Buffalo win is so important for their playoff chances. If they lost that game, that could have knocked them out of the playoffs the, the way the rest because of the season. Because of their could. division. Yeah. Uh, the fact that they won that game was incredible. Like, they should have beat the Dolphins, but, you know, Tua Tungabailo is going to win a Super Bowl this year. So, I mean, oh, well. They, their defense, hey, mine. Whew. Whew. But I think Kyler, I think Kyler's going to win the MVP, man. I think he may. He's going to have to – I think, like, when you look at that Seattle game this week – and the points that Seattle's given up. I mean, Pete Carroll, love him, to, like him a lot, love him to death. Ask, reading his, reading, ask um, reading his stuff about coaching and this and that. Like, I, I do personally like him a lot. Um, I obviously know he was a scumbag at USC, but um, you know their defense is so bad that like Kyler and the Cardinals should be able to put up as many points as possible and um, kind of round this up, but. Baker Mayfield may be the worst quarterback to lead a team to the playoffs, which is okay. Um, no, that's a hot take. There have been some bad quarterbacks. No, no, that, this year. Like oh, I'm this, saying this year. This year? Yeah. Well, what are the playoff teams right now? I mean, you go across the board, it'll be the, like the Ravens, the Steelers, the Browns, and that division potentially all making it, right? Okay. I mean, you're talking about a former MVP and Ben Roethlisberger who's won a Super Bowl and yeah. a – reigning MVP in Lamar Jackson. So, yeah, he's the third. I would have to look this up, but, like, I mean, he has not played well the last three weeks, and they've won because their running game is so good, and that and Miles Garrett is a monster. I mean, did you did you watch the game? 
And, uh, this not, last game or the game before? The uh, Browns. Because I know the game before that they lost that he had two touchdowns that were dropped. The Browns and the Texans, the one that just happened. I did watch all that, yes, on Sunday. Neither quarterback threw the ball well or threw it that much. No. I think the weather had something to do with it. Now, that's not to say that I haven't also watched every other Baker Mayfield game this year, and it's kind yeah. of been understood that he is a play-action quarterback, which is a um, it's coded language. When someone says, I feel like that they really understand that X quarterback like, throws well off the play-action – what that means is he's a game manager. I forgot that someone from the the NFC East is going to make it, so that whoever makes it from that is probably going to be the worst quarterback, whether it's Carson Wentz or yeah, Carson Daniel Wentz Jones. is so overrated. I've never been a Carson Wentz. Philadelphia guy. is three five and one and leads that division, and they're going to win it, and they're going to win it. They're going to win it with like six wins. Yeah, but then you have Rodgers. You have um, now J- even Jameis Winston for New Orleans, Tampa Bay. Jameis Winston is not better than Baker Mayfield. He's not in the NFL. He's not better. I mean, I would take like James Winston the thing, threw is like thirty interceptions. Baker, yeah, you know, he but he also threw thirty touchdowns. I mean he threw thirty interceptions. Yeah, I, but I he threw ca- thirty touchdowns though. So it's a net it's a net zero. Yeah, well Baker did that a year ago. I mean I know it was his second year. My whole point is that like I was gonna say is he clearly doesn't fit that offense that they're trying to run in Cleveland. Like that's just not who he is. Like whenever he was at his best even last year was when he was playing free and shotgun. They were getting him in very good situations pre-snap to show as much as they possibly can. And you could do that, like, with this offense, with three tight ends on the field, two tight ends on the field. Like, you can show Baker as much as you possibly can. But with the amount of play action stuff you run, like, you don't know if, you, you know, you have your head turned to the defense. Like, you don't know until you turn your head as if the defense is the same. So. Yeah. If you're running play action, you're getting three guys into pass skeleton. Like before the snap, you're looking at them. They could be in cover two. You go run play action. You're faking it to the running back. And when you turn your head, it could be it could be something completely different. Yeah. It's just that's not the quarterback Baker is. Baker is I'm going to read this pre-snap. I'm going to look at my first indicator to tell me what this defense is, and then I'm going to make my decision. That's how he was so good at Oklahoma. That's how he was so good as a rookie. And was good at inconsistent, but good at times in it in his second year. He just doesn't. He, how do I say this? There's a reason Kirk Cousins had success under Kevin Stefanski. Like, there's a reason Case Keenum in Minnesota had success under Kevin Stefanski because the system is not quarterback like difficult to run. Like, I'm not. That should make it easier for Baker, but he so, is just not that guy. I would. Say He's not a game manager. No, no. And look, Baker Mayfield shoulders a lot of the responsibility for some poor play as well. Sure. It's a, but it is a team sport. When you bring up Stefanski with Cousins and Case Keenum, those Minnesota teams overall were just better, and especially at the skill spots. Because sure. I know, I mean, obviously OBJ is hurt. And I know Jarvis Jones is a is an awesome talent, and he's a name that everybody knows. But as a Dolphins fan, he's incredibly frustrating. He had that he had that dumb drop against Las Vegas two weeks ago that would have won the Browns a game in the end zone. Um, that's what Jarvis or Jarvis Jarvis Jones Jarvis Landry. That's what Jarvis Landry is. So I, Jarvis Jones, like shout out to LSU transfer who came to OU and played I think in twenty eleven can't remember not his sure. LSU transfer uh, offensive tackle but at the end of the day like Cleveland's skill spots outside of Chubb Kareem Hunt and then maybe Jarvis Landry on a good day it's a lot of fool's gold like there's just really not a lot to work there with and I think people really the Browns did this to themselves by signing OBJ and really like hyping up Baker Mayfield they didn't get any offensive line they didn't get any offensive line but they basically just got a sexy like old school sports car with shitty parts all over it like inside like that you can't see but sure. if you like open up the hood and kind of look in it's like oh this this there's not a lot to work with here and i'm all i'm trying to say is uh i think baker mayfield is a good quarterback in the nfl he's not a top 10 quarterback he's not a top 12 quarterback you get around 15 like maybe but basically what that means is that that level of quarterback is good enough to get you to the playoffs and win you a playoff game. I don't think anything else more so than that, unless Cleveland drafted well the next few years, kept Baker Mayfield and got another skill guy, and they just got so talented around him. But I think as it stands right now, they're just a solid playoff team. So they – how do I say this? I made the joke this morning, and I think you'll like this. Like, 
I'm not going to say that the phrasing and stuff coming from Andrew Barry, their GM, or Stefanski or anything, that they're moving on from Baker anytime soon. He's got another year on his deal. But New Orleans Saints are going to be in the uh, marketplace for a quarterback. and That'd be a good spot. Sean Payton and Baker Mayfield would be a lot of fun. Yeah. That would, a, a lot of fun. And I've, I've thought of that, I thought of that last year because I thought Drew Brees was going to retire. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, if Cleveland just decides to move on from Baker right now because they've got somewhat of a high draft pick. Baker with Alvin Kamara, Michael Thomas. That style of offense. <laughs> Baker has a stronger arm than Drew Brees. Now, for sure. Yeah. yeah. So. I mean, actually, he may, he may have always had a strong arm. But, yeah, that's – I mean, what, what's, what else – before we wrap, what, what else is going on in the NFL? Orlando Brown's now starting at left tackle for the Ravens, by the way. Ben Powers played a lot on Sunday um, for the Ravens. Both Cody Ford still hurt? or is he, I think he's playing again. Um, Daryl Williams starting for the Bills as well. Bill, I can't believe the Bills are so good. Right? Like, it's but gonna, that, gonna, I mean, It's, it's, it's going to be tougher for Miami to win the Super Bowl this year, but they'll, I mean, they'll still win it, but I mean, they got to win the AFC East first, which they will. Yeah, for sure. No, they uh, – you know, it's just it's it's a weird year. Like C.D. Lamb's rookie year was heading towards a big year, and now it's not. He got cursed by playing for the Dallas. Joe Cowboys. Mixon's not playing that much for Bengals because he's dinged up. Which is, you know, it's odd that Mixon hasn't had a good game or a good year, really, considering his quarterback is checked down Charlie. You'd think that Joe Mixon would have about 40, 50 catches by now. Well, he's yeah, he's, I mean, he's I think he's been banged up. Yeah, yeah, I think I don't think he's played that much. Um. But, well, if Kyler does win the MVP, I mean, how much is OU going to plus ride that? Four, plus four thousand odds before the season, by the way. I mean, how, how much is OU going to ride that? I mean, just they it, should. It's basically like winning a Heisman on steroids if you're Lincoln Riley recruiting. Well, I think you know you look at it like, and this even takes credit to Cliff. Like, the offense in 2018 was, was similar to what they did in 2017. Was different. Like, and mm-hmm. you have to give full credit to Lincoln for that. And. Cliff has never worked with a quarterback like Kyler, and he's having to grow up kind of with Kyler. The one Raid Raider fan that's listening, Coach Patrick Mahomes is loving he's better than Baker Mayfield. We got the better end of the deal. <laughs> yeah, the whole Patrick Mahomes was better than oh, Baker. Oh, lose me. Like, I don't yeah. care. Yeah, no, but credit, you know, like Patrick I said. Patrick Mahomes wasn't going to win OU the Rose Bowl. He wasn't. He wasn't. He wasn't. Baker Mayfield, Patrick Mahomes in college was a wash. Probably, yeah, but OU I mean it's hard to it's hard to like know truly know if you put OU didn't Patrick Mahomes with Marquise Brown and CeeDee Lamb and that offensive line and Rodney. I don't Baker know. Mayfield with that offense. Well, right, no, and it was special. It was one of the best offenses in college football yeah, history. They, did, they didn't lose because Baker Mayfield. Well, no. They lost because I mean, does Patrick Mahomes T- tear down the second half. I don't. I don't know. I mean, Baker definitely it got to him in the third was, quarter. Was Mahomes even playing in twenty seven? Or was he in the NFL by then? No, it was his last year. Oh, okay. Because no, no, I think twenty sixteen. Twenty sixteen was his last year. Yeah, yeah, yeah I think you're right because he was a redshirt sophomore. Um, but uh, okay, Patrick Mahomes would have beaten Auburn. In the yeah, Bowl. for sure. No, but I was gonna say credit, you know, to Cliff a little bit for this, like. I mean, he's had to swallow his air raid pride a little bit to coach Kyler Murray. Lincoln Riley had to do it. Now, it kind of goes in the same conversation that Lincoln had, you know, around the draft time with Kyler was like, if you can't figure out a way to work with this cat at quarterback, like, that's on you. Yeah. And so, but there is plenty of people in the NFL that would not know what to do with Kyler Murray. The New York Giants, shout out Red Dirt Sport because he always has the receipts. The New York Giants literally said they would not draft him because he was too small. Yeah. Like, could you imagine saying those words about Kyler Murray right now? Like, the fact that that was out there is by Dave I mean, Gettleman and the New York Giants? I mean, I was worried just because I, like, if he get, if he's behind a bad offensive line and in a system where he's not really given the green light to show off his athleticism, then, yeah, he's going to get crushed. It's like it's just a matter of science at that point. But he's in a system that allows him to show off his athleticism. And his offensive line, while it wasn't great, it wasn't good. It wasn't Cle- it wasn't Baker's it wasn't Baker's offensive line bad his second year in Cleveland. No. It so wasn't. and there was something to work with in Arizona just by virtue of them having so many draft picks over and, the years. And you know me, they I loved them getting Josh Jones, the uh tackle from Houston. Yeah. Whew. That well, there were a guy that's that's dealt run with Ronnie Perkins well. I believe Josh Jones went like seven for seven in pass protection situations against Ronnie Perkins what last a year. Shame. I mean, the guy was unbelievable. Um, so credit, credit to Arizona. 
they are uh, and like you said, I I still have my questions about Cliff. Don't get me wrong. Like, yeah, I we'll we'll get everybody excited for that at Vanessa House if you show up, um, five thirty for the Thursday night kickoff. Yeah, no, that is on that. Is, that will be a Thursday night. You and I might be, have to watch that together. Yeah, uh, well, uh, <laughs> maybe. Yeah, so screw you. <laughs> Last OU thing before we get out of here, Keegan, because Lincoln said this at his press conference. We already talked about this. But I thought it was good enough conversation that we should probably put it on the podcast. So uh, Bob Prisbillo asked Lincoln, going back to when he decided to bench Spencer Rattler during Texas, like what gave you the confidence that you knew you knew he wasn't going to take it personally or mope around and be a piss ant, basically. And Lincoln was like, "Well, I mean, I know him, so I assume that he would be able to take it in stride and see that I'm trying to coach him. But also, if you're going to be the QB starting quarterback at OU." I would expect you to like carry yourself a certain way. And then he said, I'm not saying I want you to go out there and lower your shoulder against somebody, but, and then dot, dot, dot. But I'm like, I'm upstairs. I was cleaning my bedroom and you were downstairs and I was listening to it on the franchise. And I'm like, he said it. And I know you didn't hear me, but hopefully that was Lincoln. Like this is me reading way too much into a press conference, but hopefully Lincoln is just telling him, Hey, if it's a fourth down situation, if it's a tight ball game, if you have no other choice, yes, fight, scratch, claw, whatever you can for that extra yard. In any other situation, your small 200-pound ass is on the ground sliding like Kyler Murray. Don't do that ever again. Don't ever do that again. Yeah, so this was the exact quote. I think the starting quarterback has to have not necessarily lowering your shoulder and running over guys, but there's <laughs> got to be toughness and the mental toughness of the guy at that position for your team to need to have any of that. Yeah. I mean, it was can we've talked about this ad nauseum. It was Kansas. Should never have done it. If and I, I said this before, you know, we came on in this night, like I mean, Baker did it against Oklahoma State in 2017. Should have fumbled if he had gotten in the end zone beforehand, I believe. But he tried to run over a guy. On the Heisman run, the picture where he's like... No, it was a different, I believe, different picture or different time I'm talking about mm. then. Um, maybe That it, game was so weird. He he threw a red zone interception like to put the game away, and it gave OSU another chance. Yeah, and then and then Rudolph turned around. Was it Rudolph through the picks it that Rudolph they had a chance to take the lead right if I remember this correctly and Ru- Rudolph threw a red zone interception the, re- to Parnell the red Motley. zone interception yeah to uh or got tipped was it Parnell that picked it off I don't know who's the one that picked it off but uh, you're I or think we're Steven on the same Parker. page yeah. so Baker threw a pick to start the game like and they were backed up it was like the first yeah. or second play of the game and I was like I was there with my uncle at that game and I was like and then oh shit rest in sooner peace oh what was his name that transferred to Syracuse Abdul Adams Abdul fumbles. Adams. He technically fumbled, but they reviewed it, and they found that he didn't have possession of it, so it was just an incomplete pass. But that was the last time we ever saw Abdul Adams on the field for OU. Yes, it was. Because <laughs> it was like, uh-uh, we're done with you. Rodney Anderson, go. And he has the tied for – no, no, he has the longest run in OU football history, 99 yards. I believe Damian Williams like 98 or 97. 98 against Texas, yeah. yeah. Um, no, yeah, I mean, it was against Kansas, but – my thing is, and this happened after the press conference because it went back over to Dylan Buckingham and Jerry Ramsey on uh, TV on the radio on the franchise. And Dylan, God creamy love him. Creamy D. Cre- ugh, creamy D. G- God love him. But Dylan said, like they were talking about that very subject, and he was like, you know, I, I just appreciate Spencer Rattler just because you know what he's doing when he does stuff like that. He's like trying to show his team that like, no, I'm here to go to battle with you guys. And that all very well may be true, but we don't know that for a hundred percent certainty. I can just say just as much with as much certainty and as much fact to prove so that no Spencer's only doing that to be selfish because he's trying to show off how much of a badass he is. I don't really believe that, but there is an element of you need to be smart. You need to be smarter Yep. You are too small to be doing stuff like that, and you are too integral and important to this team. If you're playing at 80%, that's not good. If you're playing at 80%, that's when the conversation of, can Tanner Mordecai come out here and do a better job? I think it'd be less than that. He'd have to be at 60. <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> but if he's, if to he's, your point, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, to what you're saying, absolutely. And you know where I stand with you on that. It's 
you have to like there was no need for him to try to run the guy over. He could just run to his left or run to his right and gotten in, jumped in the end zone, kind of like what Baker and Kyler do. He wanted to go do that to, sh- to flex and show that you know he's kind of a bad guy. Like don't mess with me, and that's just not what he needs to be. That's not who that's not who he's going to be, and that's not what he needs to be moving forward. And I, I would assume that that was a major learning lesson. I did think it was funny that Lincoln brought it up today as well. Um, it perked my ears up, definitely. And that's where we're going to leave you all. You ready for a Kyler quote? I guess not. Yes, go ahead. They asked him about beating the Bills on the Hail Mary and then going home and played video games online on Twitch. He streamed it with two of his teammates, Chase Edmonds and Christian Kirk. And he said, that to me is like a perfect day. Kyler just goes home and plays that's, video games. That's, he's one of us. He, he was Kyler Murray was put on this earth to football. He is and designed chill. to be yeah, and chill. Football and chill. That's all Kyler Murray does. It's so weird. He's he's incredible. Have you heard dude. any stories about him and Norman? I've heard neg like uh, that almost sounded bad. I've heard no stories. You're about to say negative. Well, I've been negative on the stories. Uh, I have okay. not heard any negative stories about Kyle Murray's character. I've just heard from people that are. Um, well, I'll just say it. I'll just say her name, Madison Morris. You know, everybody probably knows who Madison is. If you don't, she used to work at the franchise with me covering the Thunder, and she's very pretty. She used to be a Palm captain at OSU. So just picture, you know, stereotypical Palm cheerleader type, like beautiful woman. That's what Madison looks like. So she has a lot of attractive friends. Um, she's young, she's your age. And when Kyle Murray was at OU, Madison was still at OSU. And so she had a lot of friends in Norman and Stillwater that hung out with a lot of athletes. And so I would often hear a lot of juicy stories that have nothing to do with football about football players. And a lot of the times stories I didn't really ask for. I don't need to know that about that player. About who Kyler or the other one. Well, that was the thing is uh, I, I straight up asked because she'd always tell me randomly about certain players. And I'm like, have you ever heard anything about Kyler Murray? And she was like, she just kind of looked at me and she was like, no, he's like so mysterious. Yeah. And like, and I'm oh, like, yeah. Damn right he is. He just yeah. comes out, kicks ass, goes <laughs> home. <laughs> yeah. So obviously George Story wrote that huge circle of trust story. But like for reals, like you like you didn't play like he'll, he'll you'll see like Nick Basquin and some of those old Cody Ford and Bobby Evans. And he'll like play video games with those guys. And I'm sure there's a heck of a lot more than just that I've listed that he's close with on the team. But like. If you weren't close with him and Norman, like, you hardly ever saw him unless it was a football field. Like, if you're on the team and you are not a part of Kyler's inner circle, like... He just appeared. Yeah, it's like, I, I, I'm just show, I'm going to go work out, I'm going to play football, and then I'm going to go home, I'm going to chill. I love Kyler Murray. Like, obviously, I love Baker Mayfield, and, man, he was so fun to watch. Baker Mayfield deserved a national championship, but... Oh, Kyler, the, the, Kyler was just another like just what we think of Adrian Peterson just from a talent standpoint. Oh yeah, like the only difference is Adrian Peterson looked like a gladiator. Kyler Murray does not look like a gladiator because he's so damn short. But I forgot the the stat. But Spencer Davis is the one who tweeted that out, and I could probably look it up real quick. But like what Kyler Murray did to Nick Saban in the second half in the Orange Bowl, yeah, like accumulative for an entire game. Like what? He, just what he did in the second half was like no quarterback has ever done that against Nick Saban. Before. I mean, how much do you think Dabo Sweeney and Clemson took that, you know, Kyler Murray performance and said, "Oh, let's go pick on this guy." <laughs> Yo, I mean, if you heard what Nick Saban, I, I think it may have been the halftime press conference or whatever um, in that national championship game, he was like, "This is the same stuff that we saw last week, like Clemson, or two weeks ago, or yeah. two weeks, yeah, the last game against like they Dabo, they are not stupid, like <laughs> like." You, if Oklahoma, with not saying their talent was different, I mean Clemson obviously had more talent across the board. Like, why wouldn't you take from Oklahoma in that game? Like, yeah. why wouldn't you do those things? So it's it's definitely interesting. Now I don't want to prolong this anymore, but it's it's say uh, how I say this to you. It's early in the week. There's a lot more film to watch. There's a lot more things to figure out about Oklahoma State, but I'm pretty comfortable. I know what's going to happen. I like Oklahoma by somewhere 7-10, somewhere 38-28, 35-24. Something, something like that sounds right. But, I mean, it's it's going to be a game of who makes the least amount of mistakes. Yeah. And I think that that is, makes it all ever so intriguing 
whenever you have this much talent on the field that whichever team can force the most the other to make the most mistakes is probably going to win. And it, there's a reason why this line's down to six and a half, seven, and that probably is a reason to it. The other reason, maybe health of some players, maybe COVID, wink, wink. Um, we'll see if that has any impact on Saturday. Heard it might. We'll throw that at the end. So you guys can sit and uh, think about that for the next couple days. Here we go. Um, and I'll put this out there, Keegan, um, because we kind of did a little bit of a dive into the matchups already. So just so we don't kind of regurgitate everything on Thursday, I will ask you to do a little tiny bit of homework. So okay. for Thursday, just think of your top three bedlam anything. So this can be bedlam individual performances by a player. It could be bedlam Football. games. Yeah. It could be bedlam games. It could be bedlam storylines from a game. Just anything. Just your top three bedlam whatever. I'll have three. You'll have three. We'll talk about it. Then we'll get into the matchups and have some fun at Vanessa House. So we'll do it. I'm game. Everybody, thank you so much for listening to the Inside OU podcast. Once again, please don't be afraid to leave us a rating and review wherever you're listening to the podcast. Also, please give our Patreon a, a look if you haven't subscribed just yet. It's at patreon.com slash inside underscore OU. $4 a month gets you the post-game show and other goodies. And then $5 a month gets you everything that I just said, plus Keegan's film review. And like we said earlier, Keegan is working on OSU film review this week. He's already got a lot of the West Virginia game up there. He's going to do Iowa State, Kansas State, and Texas as well. So you're going to be fairly prepared for what OU should be doing against OSU going into Saturday. The Onion just tweeted, underachieving 31-year-old now talking about following dreams in Brooklyn, and I will leave you at that. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, basketball season's also here, so we're going to have fun. Everybody, thank you again for listening to Inside OU. We'll talk to you later.